podcasts just keep getting better and better uh, in terms of just the technical workflow of getting them out there and then the way the conversations are going and how they're falling in line with my intentions for this podcast. Um, you know, the term model behavior doesn't refer only to modeling. It refers to, you know, model behavior in life. And I think there's a lot of um, crossover between the modeling and acting world and then just being a person. Uh, it's kind of the same thing. And not a lot to report this week. Last week was 4th of July, so the summer slowdown is in full swing, um, which can be stressful for models and actors. But we're getting through it. You know, things picked up this week, and this episode touches on some of the stuff I did. New fit modeling clients, which is pretty cool. And this episode is with my friend Mike Glazer, who is a comedian, commercial actor, writer, podcaster, chef. He's uh, such an inspiring guy. And he actually was the inspiration for this podcast, which we talk about as well. And I don't want to talk about much more because it speaks for itself. So please enjoy Mike Glazer. Yeah, but thanks for being here, man. This is cool, man. I feel like the one thing that people may or may not... Like, when I look at that picture of you with perfect form, with your leg in the air and your toe pointed back and staring straight ahead and arms flexed, the first thing I think is, oh, that's a goal, is to look like that with your form. Right. I mean, that's why... It's a picture of goals. So we're talking about the photo in Men's Journal, this issue of Men's Journal I was just in which as I described in my Instagram post, like I read every how to get a six pack article I could when we were, you know, we both grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Yes, so yes. probably around the same time. And how old are you? 35. Yeah, I'm 32. So same, some same like generation, but like that's when like men's journal and men's fitness and like Maxim and all those magazines were big. Absolutely. And I remember just doing thousands. I would used to do a thousand crunches a night in like eighth grade thinking it would just shred me. Yes. But I was From just, when you, and you get the rolly thing. Yeah ab roller and like the rollout and like you're still just a doughy teenager and like yeah. maybe there's abs under there i don't know but <laughs> so to be in a magazine demonstrating some fitness exercise is pretty cool was the abs the last thing that came for you yeah abs are tough it's like, they say abs are made in the kitchen you know it's just like you oh, everyone yeah. has abs you just have to reveal them you can just like look at the strongest men in the world those guys are huge they have massive cores and strong cores they but have lead bellies though yeah but they're just like burly and like bulked up so you can't see their abs yeah. so it's a balancing act of muscle plus low body fat which is hard to get to water yeah i mean for so for a shoot like that i came in like pretty dry like pretty dehydrated because they had me take my shirt off for some of it and so like that's the lot like how to get that last percent or two down is to just be dehydrated yeah which did you sucks. wrestle no i had some friends who wrestled in high school I remember them cutting water yeah. and being miserable. Yeah. Like, what do you need all these trash bags for? And it's like, oh, to wear them. To sweat. I'm going to wear all these bags. All right. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Yeah. So cutting water. But like I've said it before, like I don't have time before auditions. I get my audition notifications the night before. So I can't cut weight. I just kind of have to be 
at a certain level that I'm happy with all the time. Is there a circuit in modeling that is like, you know, in acting, if you get on a sitcom yeah. for a season, you're working for three months. Yeah. Is there a modeling tract that like lands you in a, in a stratosphere of like, just like consistent work that is in that same vein? Um, sometimes. So I talked about this on the last episode with Emily. She'd worked in e-commerce. So she would fly to Vegas three to five days a week and shoot for Zappos and just do like online catalog work. And that's the most consistent work I hear of in modeling because most of it's this mercenary work of you work for ASICs this day and then you do a shoot for BMW and then you do a commercial for Nike and then every day is different. But there is a consistent client type of work you can find in e-commerce, but it's you have to be very lucky to get those clients and they last for as long as they want you. And then they kind of cycle through the next model because they got to freshen up the look. And so yes and no. So, wow. Yeah. It is the exact same where it's like, it's wild when people don't, some, maybe some people realize, maybe they don't, but like when that magazine came out, when did you shoot that? We shot that months before. Months before. Right. Yeah. And so it's it, just because you see the thing doesn't mean like I, I heard a podcast with one of the guys from Game of Thrones. Yeah. And he's been like, oh, I've been out of work for eight months. Yeah. Like, yo, I've been tooling around for almost a year for the next thing. Yeah. I'm about to pop off, but that's right now. It ha You don't know what my past has been. Yeah. I was just sitting next to a guy at a BMW commercial audition. And he's like, yeah, I moved here from New York. Like I was, I moved here because I was on a Netflix show. And I was like, wow, awesome. And he's like, yeah. And I was like finishing up that show and I was testing for another show. And I was like, oh, this is great. And then he's like, I didn't get that next show, but I figured another one would come along. And he goes, and I haven't worked for seven months because I guess that's not how it works here. I was like, yeah, man, like <laughs> you got your show. Like be thankful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are the small victories in between them that you can hold on to? Yeah. And he's like, well, I booked a commercial. I was like, awesome. Working is tight. Because you just booked a commercial, which I want to talk about. But we have to start with the official first question. Okay. What were you up to when you were seven years old? Ooh, when I was seven years old? What grade is that? Second grade. Second grade. So my teacher was Miss Hill. I think that's when, can you read in second grade? I hope so. I think so, right? <laughs> yeah, a little I, bit. Yeah. I think that's when we started taking the dictionary and encyclopedia and looking up the word sex. <laughs> that sounds about right. You know yeah. what I mean? And like yeah. reading that word and like looking up, look up penis. And then you look up penis and then it's like a anatomy picture of a penis yeah. next to words. Wait, so you looked up sex. So did you understand what sex was in second grade? No, absolutely not. Because it probably was, said like intercourse between a man and a woman. Yeah, very clinical. But at the same yeah. time, like looking up the word sex and having access to it because it's in a dictionary in the room. Yeah. Like yeah. We had AOL back. I think I, I saw around the time we started to get AOL, maybe third grade. And it was like boobs. Like, yeah, just, right. You Google the most innocent things. One of my friends. <laughs> Nobody was like, ego. Go to the E's. Grab the E-book. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> One of my friend's uh, AOL screen name when he was a kid was... Lil Boy 11. No. Which just sounds like a how to catch a predator <laughs> trap. Like, come on, man. Lil Boy, L I L Boy 11. Yeah. You may as well just call it FBI. So just do it. I don't know. Oh, it's so funny. Dude, I, uh, what was your screen name? Um, so I wanted screen name. I, oh, I, sure. I was, I was like meta as a kid. So I want to just, like, what's your screen name? Screen name? Be like, what? And like, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Michael's eating lunch alone again. Yeah. I was a kid with a voicemail that was like, hello? Oh, hey, what's up? Guess what? I'm not here. And everyone fucking hated me for it. Like, 
<laughs> so whenever someone called me, I'd go, hello, and then pause. And then I'd go, hello, again, and be like, oh, hey, it's you. Because they knew. They didn't want to get tricked by it. But my screen name ended up being Q screen name. Because I was like, I can't get screen name, so I'll get maybe X screen name that was taken. An M screen name taken. I ended up with Q screen name. Q's great. You're a weird dude. <laughs> yeah, man. Super weird. It's great. I got a bunch of serial killer art over there. So, yeah. It's uh, to choose a cue is very different because everybody else has, uh, you know, puff paint and everybody's like, you know, I mean, like I remember growing up, I always I never wanted to go by Mike or Michael or Glazer because I, I didn't choose that name. So I was angry yeah. that it was chosen. for Oh, me. I tried to change my name so much when I was a kid because yeah. I was Mikey and I thought it was like associated with being a little kid. I tried to go by BJ for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Oh, it didn't stick, huh? <laughs> no. I think my mom, like, looking back on it now, I think she joked and he was like, what does that stand for? And I was like, I don't know. She was like, Billy Joel? And I was like, sure. <laughs> but she knew. <laughs> oh, that's great. Call me Yikes. BJ. What did you try to go by? Spike. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spike. Well, there was that kid in um, Little Giants named Spike. Did you ever see that movie? Oh, I remember Snot Bubble. That's all I remember. Yeah, the Snot Bubble kid. Yeah. yeah, there's something about like rebelling against your name. And then Brian was the other one I tried. Brian. It's very it's just solid. Yeah, <laughs> with with the with the dudes hanging out, I wanted him to be called Spike. Yeah, and with the uh, girls hanging out, I wanted to be called Brian. Because <laughs> Brian's like a guy that I don't know. It depends on if they want the bad boy or the Brian. Yeah, I just looked at it as someone who had confidence in their shit together, like a Brian. A Brian. Yeah. Yeah, like just like a a Jeff. Right, it's a sturdy name. Yeah, yeah, it's a good name. There's nothing harsh about it. There's nothing too wild. It's just a sturdy name. It's got enough letters to hold you up. Brian. <laughs> hey, Brian. Nice to meet you. Brian's not getting arrested. That's you know, yeah. Spike, on the other hand, <laughs> he's going to jail <laughs> regularly. Yeah, he was kissing Maria Tarkington behind her above ground pool way too early in life and got banned from going to his neighbor's house. Wait, did this happen? That's a very specific reference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to go to the neighbor's house because we were smooching Ooh. behind her above ground pool. Sweet. That's such a, like, a, I can see that in St. Louis so clearly. Right? It's beautiful. Yeah, there's always Cheez-Its. There's always a box of Cheez-Its yeah, nearby. Yeah, like Gushers, just crumpled up <laughs> Gushers wrappers. There's a trail of them going to find the pool. <laughs> These, like, red-lipped, blue-lipped make-out sessions. Yep. In a in like a wet swimsuit where your hair is matted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Classic. We saw this on a movie. You want to try it? Oh man. Well, it makes sense that you were a funny kid looking up sex in the dictionary because how would you define yourself? I don't know. If someone says, "What do you do?" Comedy. Okay, that's what I think. I was gonna say you're a comedian. Yeah. And this is model behavior, but one of the things about this podcast is. I don't want to only talk to models. I want to talk to photographers and casting directors and agents. But also, it's just a platform for me to talk to people I like and I'm inspired by. And the reason I created this podcast is actually because of you. Because we met through another friend in the comedy scene here, Joe Carton. Great he was dude. doing a, a live late night talk show at a comedy theater here. And you were the house band, yeah. which meant you were just super stoned and you would play a rain stick <laughs> whenever they cut to the house band, which was hilarious. And Joe's such a funny guy, so that was always a fun event to go to. And I always made a point to support my friends because in LA, like everyone's got some hustle, some passion project, and there's, you know, like, can you come to Hollywood at like 9 p.m. on a Tuesday, even though you live in Santa Monica? And you're like, 
got to, you know, got to support the arts, got to support the friends. That's one of the coolest traits I can think of in a person. It's so important out here because people get so upset when no one cares about their stuff. And it's like, well, are you caring about other people's stuff? Because it goes both ways. And then I remember one night after Joe's show, he's like, we're going to grab a drink across the street. And I was like, well, I drove here. So like, I don't want to just get one drink and then drive back. And like, but I went because you got to just put yourself out there. And then we ended up talking at the Pikey. Yes. And we were talking about my serial killers and talking about your book, Monster Scooter. Yes. And I was like, this is a cool dude. Like, I want to keep in touch with him. And started going to your show that you started putting on Glazed. Yeah. At the Hollywood Improv, which how would you, how would you describe Glazed? Um, I just want to find the best artists in every area I can and share them with the world. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's this variety show of comedians and artists and musicians. And I've had some of the coolest experiences ever there. Like Dave Chappelle <clears throat> dropping in and playing the audience like an instrument. Your art hanging behind. My art. He, sh- he showcased my serial killers behind Tiffany Haddish, like just killing it. Freestyle rapping about sucking dick Yeah, on my was, birthday. That was mind blowing. That was a, that was a wild night. So we just became friends and then you started a podcast and you are a comedian first. You also have been to cooking school. Yes. Um, and you're super into weed. Yes. You write for High Times Magazine. You just came from interviewing Ron Funches for, what was that for? Uh, that was for our podcast, Weed and Grub, that I do with <sighs> Mary Jane Gibson. Yeah. We met through when she was the culture editor at High Times. Yeah. So your podcast that you do with Mary Jane, who's also an amazing performer, inspired me because you created this this sort of beautiful pyramid of your three interests of weed, comedy, and food, and like brought them together in a way that was just like, oh, this is such a stable structure. Like, how can I do something similar? And I thought, like, what are my interests? And it's like, I like art and creativity. I'm a model. And for lack of a better word, I like self-improvement. I like trying to be a better person. Um, is that like physically, spiritually, mentally? Yeah. Just trying to be the best version of myself. And it's like, sounds really annoying in LA to say something like that. And I've read every self-help book from like the Stoics to Eckhart Tolle and everything in between. But a lot of self-help is, it tends to be really prescriptive. It's like, do this, you should do this. Like, this is how to be better, but it's not anecdotal. And I like the, like, this is how this changed my life. So I want to just talk to people, get their story and see where it goes. Yeah. So that's why you're here. The anecdotal part is what sticks out to me so yeah. strong because I don't like being told what to do Mm-mm. by anyone, especially no. someone who I'm giving money to try and learn from. Right. I'm not looking for the answer. Like think about your parents guidance. saying your name is Mike to both of us. And both of us were like, no, it's not. Yeah, right? It's BJ and Brian who <laughs> will be behind the pool. <laughs> so mind your own business. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't do anything at school. It sucks. Quit asking that every night. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. The The... The part about like if my story can help you answer things for yourself, that should be self-help, right? Yeah. Yeah. Throwing up a couple, like putting the ball on the tee. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about like how this podcast got started because of you, but how did you... Well, be careful because I love to deflect so that I don't have to answer anything. But you said in your review of my podcast, let your guests talk. So I'm (laughs) going to let you talk or make you talk, whatever it takes. So I'm just curious how you're able to sort of whittle down your interests and your career paths and your passions into such a concise trifecta Um, because going from this you know seven-year-old kid looking up sex in dictionary rebelling against his name yeah in st louis just like pretty much just like me yeah and then ending up in la you know a few years ahead of me with this very focused laser beam of a path i've always just tried to search for where i belong because i've never really felt like i've belonged anywhere yeah 
And if I can find something that I really enjoy, I become pretty obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. And once I'm obsessed with it, that allows me to feel like I belong to something. Yeah. So I'm just constantly searching for artists or design, anything that I can like hang my hat on. So I feel like I'm a part of something. Right. Cause most of my time I really don't, I feel very, uh, uh, what's 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 a metaphor? You know what I mean? Like a seed in the flower, not a part of the flower. Yeah, like a cog in the machine. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. have that sense of that word ennui, which is like you could be doing more or something bigger or more in line with who you are. And we were talking before the podcast started about I was working in theme park design, right? Which is like a dream job. People are like, "That's incredible! You played Roller Coaster Tycoon for a living." And I'm like, "Yeah, I fucking hated it, and I quit because I just woke up in the morning and was like, if someone was like." You could not go to work today and still make the same amount of money. Do you do you want to go? I'd be like, no, absolutely not. But with and that's what I love about comedians because that's very similar to modeling and acting in the hustle of like, if you're not going out and getting sets every night, if you're not going to auditions every day, bye bye, bye bye. Like, and if you don't want it, you're not gonna do it because it gets old fast. Like the driving across town. I've spent, I don't know. I spent three hours in the car today just to go to like one little job and one little audition, and I'm sure. I, your open mic stage, like you were just driving from Burbank to Santa Monica to, you know. Well, you don't know what else to do. Right. You've signed yourself up for a life of chaos where mm-hmm. you're figuring, like everyone's figuring it out, but like the choice to just have no idea what to do, but know that you're going to get better at that thing yeah, is delusional, but you just have to work harder than you are delusional. Yeah. And I think it goes back to that want, like you wanted to, go out to open mics yeah but i think the the interesting thing that i've been asking myself a lot lately too is also like why right i think the why is like answering the what like the what is easy because i just can distract myself yeah by trying to be as funny as possible come up with new bits feel like an artist create something that makes people sure laugh that's the what i'm trying to figure out like why why i have to do that right Dude, now you should hit this book right here perfectly placed on top victor frankel man's search for meeting um, it's about a guy who was in the concentration camps and he was a psychologist and he realized like who survived and who didn't came down to who had a purpose. And I think it's a quote by him. I could be misattributing it, but it's those who have a why can endure any how. So if you have a why, and that could be simple as a want, like I want to create beauty. I want to make people laugh. If you have that purpose, you can deal with driving across town. You can deal with, you know, sitting in a shitty bar for two hours and maybe not getting a spot at the end of the night. Like I'm sure your early days, you use stuff like that happened all the time. Like I dealt with going to hundreds of auditions before I even got a callback. Like, you know, it's like maybe not hundreds, but lots of auditions before I even got a callback, which I was still two steps away from making money. What were the things that you were, were you just not good enough yet? I didn't, I hadn't learned how to audition. Yeah. I was still honing the craft. I mean, just like stand up comedy, I mean, you could still get a laugh in your first set, but like, you're not going to book your first commercial. Probably not. It's just, yeah, I had to learn how to be better. And I was booking small jobs and like little print jobs, but like to get a call back for a big commercial took a while because just had to get better at it. Right. And I'm, but you wanted to get better. Too. I wanted to. Yeah. Like you wanted that. Yeah. Cause I saw the people who were booking them and I was talking to them in the waiting rooms and like, I'm sure it's the same as rubbing shoulders with comedians who are you know in the class ahead of you. And it's like, I want that. I wanted it, you know? which was the driving force. Can I borrow this? Yeah, take it. Okay, of course. thank you. Victor Frankl, I'm going to read the Man's Search for Meaning. It's a great book for anyone. It's really short. It's really concise. It's I a, won't read it in the bathroom either. 
I let a friend it. borrow a book, and then I saw it in his bathroom. I was like, I don't want that back. <laughs> yeah. Just wash your hands before you turn a page. Wash the pages. Yeah. Wash yeah. Just... <laughs> so I give you my word. But yeah. I'm really excited to read this. Okay, cool. But so have you figured out uh, the answer to that why question at all? Um, Yes and no. I think as my career goes along... And I'm I'm happy to be put in certain boxes. Mm-hmm. I uh, I invite that because then I can like grow inside those boxes to become the best at that box. Yeah, and I like that. And I need outside perspective like this industry to tell me what they think those boxes are. Sure. And if I agree with them, fucking awesome! Like time to get really good at that box. Mm-hmm. And if I don't agree with them, they don't. I don't think about them twice. Yeah, maybe it's just not something that you want to pursue. When I was on Worst Cooks in America on Food Network. I went for our first day of fitting on the show and they had me in plaids and flannels. I had this beard. Yeah. I'm wearing loud, weird sweatshirts, all this stuff. And I go to the fitting and the first thing the costume designer says to me is, oh, you're our Galifianakis this season. Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, I'm special and unique and don't compare me to Zach Galifianakis. And then second thought was, hell yeah, fuck yeah. I love Zach Galifianakis. And then third thought was, oh, they want me to be the weird, nice person yeah. who they can go to for comedy that's relief. That's your type. That's, that's my type. That's what they and cast you as. As soon as I heard her say that and I could get through my own ego about it, I had a great time. I think I right. represented myself really well. And yeah. I mean, the that response is you. from the audience was amazing. They, yeah. weren't, they weren't too far off. You are kind of a weird, really nice, friendly guy who will crack you up, but like in a way that's not distant maybe yeah yeah but Um, that's important one thing i learned in an acting class when i was learning how to be a better auditioner oh my god how dare you is that zach (laughs) yeah zach calvinak is just calling mike real quick if you 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 can take it if you want if you need to no he's very ben berkowitz is a great dude he plays in glazed he plays the bass Oh, yeah. Where he eats like a 50 milligram edible and then jams out all night. Oh, that dude's awesome. So Yeah, you guys should go to Glaze if you can get tickets. It sells out every time. It's at the Hollywood Improv on Melrose in Los Angeles. So. Last Thursday of the month, usually. Yeah. We have some pretty good sponsors now. Got some new sponsors. Dude, Looking it's so to much it. fun. There's usually free weed being given out. But back to when I was learning how to audition, like taking Killian's workshop, which is a class I recommend to anyone learning how to audition for commercials. He was just like, know your lane. Like, know what your character type is. You know, don't go out for the hunk if you're, you know, six foot two and 130 pounds. Don't go out for the weird guy if you look like Zach Morris. It's just, you got to know your type. And you just did this commercial for Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Dessert Island. Dessert Island. Everyone guy. should look up on YouTube because it's hysterical. Um, it's my first campaign where I'm the face of the thing. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a national commercial, right? Yeah. Congratulations, man. A bunch of social media spots. Yeah. It was a cool two days. And did you shoot on location somewhere? Yeah, we shot two days one on a beach and then one in frank sinatra's old mansion sick so i wait just, for the office scene yeah they turned his uh i, I would call it a lobby yeah in his home yeah to an office whoa yeah and there was a really cool painting of uh who was the joker who died heath ledger heath ledger there was a cool heath ledger uh painting Sweet. in there real nice pool yeah i have some pictures i should post them so i mean i'm sure you got that job because you went to the audition, you knew what to do, you went to the callback, you knew what to do. But let me ask you this. Did the breakdown, the character breakdown in the description they were looking for say, we want a guy with a big beard? I think it said something along the lines of like beard something but not required. Yeah. Right? Because they could prosthetic it probably. Probably. Yeah. And, but like I like immediately understood what the spot was. Yeah. Because it's like a guy who thinks he's on a 
you'd want a big haggard happy yeah. person who's running around in Candyland. And they had you with your full beard, which they probably then trimmed down yeah. for the before. We sh- we can talk about that a little bit yeah. if it's interesting. Are people interested in hearing like backstory shit? Yeah, man. Like how you got to that point. Booking a national commercial is a huge milestone. So I think the thing that I've learned a lot this year in particular is you're allowed to say no. And in the room. In the room. Mm. And we had never talked about them getting rid of my beard and I'm always down for a trim. Give me a trim. Tighten yeah. me up. Make yeah. me look the way you want me to look. Yeah. But they wanted to shave my whole beard off. Wait, they didn't ask you in the first audition, are you willing to shave? They say it, but they say it in a way where I'm just like, yeah, sure. But then on Dude, the Dude, but that's day, like, on, that's like on gospel. Yeah. Yeah. You, I've, I've walked, rolled up with half of what you had and they're like, let's shave it. And I can't say no. I said no. <laughs> Good for you. Wow. And they talked to my agent because yeah. it was a look change, right? Yeah. Um. And so we all, we worked everything out, but in the back of my head, I was like, I really love auditioning and I love doing this work. Yeah. Um, if you want to get rid of my beard, that's going to change my ability to go out for what I think I'm really good at. I'm sure your headshots all have a beard. I'll have a beard. So I can't for the walk next in a room. couple months, you're going to be kind of fucked. Yeah. And so it's fair. I straight up was just like, we can, I want to do this. I'm happy to do this. I'm so thankful to be here. Yeah. Just talk about it with my agent so yeah. that I feel excited. You're right. excited. We're all on the same page, and we all worked it out. And they got rid of my beard, mostly. Yeah. And it, and low key, I also really loved how it looked. They I gave you a nice, nervous. like a good, a good beard for the like office shots. Thank you. I was nervous as fuck because I haven't seen my face in so long. Yeah. But it was that ability to say no because I knew if I went on set, and was just like, yeah, whatever you need, I'm here to please. Yeah. I really don't think I would have done in a good job. I don't think I'd be happy with the job I could do for You didn't him. feel considered or seen. Seen, Like yeah. you were just another cog in the machine and you are just like, I mean, you're bringing a lot, you're the face of it and you want to have some agency, like you said. Um, and that's, I mean, that's something that Steph Cordial talked about in our episode was just having more boundaries and not being a yes man and a, like, you know, oh, thank you for the work, like I'll do whatever you want. Because when I showed up for that ASICs shoot and they were like, it was a one day shoot, pretty good day rate. And there, I had this beard that was, all my new headshots had a beard. And they would walk up to the cast, the creative director and she was like, no beard, shave it off. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> and yeah, like I hadn't seen my face in a long time either. I looked like a Disney character, looked like I was 20 years old. And I was like pretty upset. I was like, I have no like free will here. Um, but that job did lead to like a seven day ASICs shoot later on. So awesome. It worked out. But I like what you're saying about, especially when it comes down to like your look, because in the commercial world, you have your look and your personality and they tend to go hand in hand based on, you know, your character type and that lane, stay in your lane, know your character, know your role, literally. Yeah. Um, so that's cool that you did that. Do you like how I look when I bite this and smile? Mm-hmm. Do you like a positive radiance coming off of this face? Yeah. And if so, I'm going to hopefully knock it out of the park for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's about all I can do. I feel like. Wow. Show up and try and look my best. So how long have you been? I've seen you at auditions before. I think we ran into each other a couple times, maybe at Castaway Studios. Yeah, I was playing your kettlebell, right? You are going to lift me over your head. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Human barbell. <laughs> um, so yeah, you've been going s- out for a while. A uh, couple, y- no, I would say a year and a half. Yeah. Something like that. That sounds about right. Yeah. To grab a national. Yeah. That's good, man. My first one, can I tell the story I'm really proud of? Because you, you're a fucking athlete. So uh, my second audition ever, I got a part of a T-Mobile ad. And 
they wanted me in first thing i thought i bombed the audition yep that's always the case i thought i bombed it always the case got a call an hour later and they're like are you available it was like you know what i mean i was like what okay yo get out of my own way huh yeah yeah i don't know shit about shit yeah man that's i i think we've talked about this on the podcast before but that's so common amongst commercial actors like the ones you walk out being like nailed it then you don't even get a call for the callback and the ones you walk out being like that was a fucking disaster you get the callback you get the avail you book the job and i think it comes down to if you walk out being happy it went the way you wanted it to go if you walk out being like uncomfortable or unhappy it went the way it was supposed to go like they got what they wanted out of you ideally maybe yeah. you, you, sometimes you just bomb it and you don't book it but sometimes yeah they figure out how to get the performance they need out of you and get you out of your own way, like you said. And it feels weird and icky, but I mean, that's real vulnerability. It's like being able to give them what they want without even knowing you're doing it. Exactly. You know? And a good director who knows how to talk to you. Yeah. Goes, it's the most important thing to me. Having yeah. a director who knows how to speak with me mm-hmm. and then giving me the space to like, what is, what's it called? To like put it in and then push it back out the way they need. Ooh, I love I don't that. know what that word is. I don't know. Push put it in and push it back out yeah you know hmm i don't know like a piece of toast that's not done yet well they're like manifesting it or you're like a vessel they're channeling it through you something like that i don't know anyway sorry i got derailed because i'm high uh so i went to this audition for t-mobile yeah thought i bombed it got it went in on the day uh they had me in a food truck and the idea was all of these people in millennial jobs mm-hmm. are recreating viral videos so t-mobile's idea was to like have recognition of the viral video yeah show normal people recreating them and now you have a memory tied to t-mobile oh boy smart right yeah fucking i love that shit i respect the shit out of it inception fuck yeah man. maybe that's the word incept yeah to yeah incept the note is. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so and then uh so on the day i'm in the food truck and they're like we want you to flip the hamburger bun behind your back mm-hmm. and onto this other hamburger onto the hamburger you film it with the t-mobile because um, your manicure looks great yeah. and you are very fun to be around. So you hold the phone and I was like, great, cool. It's on me. I do the spatula. I look over my shoulder and I no look flip it onto the bun. First take. It lands perfectly. Everyone goes crazy. We all high five. And that was a wrap. And I went home. No way. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even get one for safety. They're just like, they were like it. we got it. <laughs> Lightning in a bottle. We're out of here. <laughs> yeah. What are we going to spend two hours making each other feel bad after that? Yeah, like there's, I think that would probably take a thousand tries in, <laughs> in real life. <laughs> it felt so amazing. Like it felt like purpose. Yeah. You know? Well, that's a lot of people ask about like, what's it like to be on set? And there's so much pressure and you can get kind of nervous. But when they call action, just you just do it. There's like a part of me that my body takes over and my brain gets out of the way because I, I can't allow myself to overthink it. Because if I overthink it, especially when it's doing, you know, for that men's journal shoot, it's these like very specific movements and you're hitting marks and like tracking lighting and remembering dialogue and, you know, all these different things that like you almost have to just trust that like you're capable of it. Because if you think you're not, you're not. They hired you. Yeah. So you are capable. Yeah. That's the point. It's a job. I mean, they didn't hire you because you were really good at flipping burgers behind your back onto buns. No, I kept that in the pocket. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ooh. Pick the right person for this on your resume special skills <laughs> <He's> bachelor <laughs> tricks yeah 
Dude, I've seen some breakdowns. They're like, we're looking for like Benihana style chefs who can do like those are specific traits that they want. And I mean, if that's your thing, like, I was on a movie once with a a stunt guy. Yeah. And I was just grilling him in an obnoxious way because I'd never met someone who's an incredible stunt person before. Mm-hmm. And on his breakdown for his special skills, it says that parallel parking where you can swing the car oh, in between dude, two that's tiny a, spaces. Yeah, I think it's called like a J-turn or something. Right? That's a sick skill. Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> I was like, oh, can we get? Can we do one? Yeah. <laughs> There's a spot. <laughs> I think it'll fit. Yeah, I'm like looking for He spots. just wedges in between two cars. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah, um, I man. love that stuff. Well, I want to go back to your early comedy days. So you're in St. Louis. What high school did you go to? That's the classic Parkway St. Louis. Parkway North. Parkway North, that's right. How did you get to L.A.? Uh, I was a hockey goalie in Parkway because it gave me an identity. Mm-hmm. Um, my last name is Glazer, so I was putting the hockey goal because I was a little fat donut. So it all went hand in <laughs> hand. My first donut. goalie mask had the word donut on the back. That's good. I tried to embrace it as a nickname, but deep down that hurt a mm-hmm. lot. Uh, after I bet that's that's rough. I'm right, like, donut. Sorry. Hey, what up, donut? And I'm like, Whoa, ha, ha, ha. well, it's like that's like Money Ducks era, like Goldberg and yeah, it was. Yep. yep, yeah. You know, did I swim with a shirt on? Yeah, but it was black, so you couldn't even tell. You couldn't even. It was tell. just like a stealth bomber slipping through the water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who's that moray eel? <laughs> the grace. Man, you and I are very alike. We were both named Mike. Both grew up in St. Louis and both were just trying on identities for all of our young life. Absolutely. I would try, because like, I was an only child too, so I didn't have siblings telling me I was weird or showing me what was cool. So I was like, oh, you're like, my friend's into skating. Like, I'm a skater now. Like, I'm going to get Jinkos and sag them below my butt. And like, oh no, now we're doing rap? Like, fuck yeah. Like, I was always trying on different modes of. Which one landed for you? What was the stickiest? I think when I look back at like where I am, like look at where I came from and where I am now, I'm just this kind of mix of like, I'm a little preppy, like I'm from the Midwest. So there was like that Abercrombie preppy kind of stuff going on. But then I went to New England for school, which was like East Coast preppy, like collared shirts and boat shoes, but also like flannels because we were in New Hampshire. A little bit of cool water, a little bit of polo. Yeah. And then I moved to Venice and I was like, oh, I'm like zany Venice guy. I grew my hair out and had a man bun and like wore thrift thrift store shirts and now i'm just kind of like i don't know you tell me what my style is i'm always curious like what stuck with people especially right around high school when i think most people are trying to impress most people the most oh yeah i'm always curious what your what people's identity was oh high school i was a stoner really but i mean i smoked don't listen dad but i smoked a lot of weed in high school you know this um But that was more just like self-medication dealing with, you know, childhood stuff. Yeah. I was also the kid who was friends with every group. So I was friends with the stoners. I was friends with the Science Olympiad kids. I was friends with the jocks. I was friends with like just the kind of like cool guy table because I was very noncommittal. Were you tall yet? No. Tiny. Tiny. 5'4 for most of high school. No shit, man. Like super late bloomer, super tiny, played water polo and lacrosse and just got my ass beat by all my friends all the time. Um, uh, yeah. But I was like just high all the time and like funny and like cute and nice and just like bounced around and never like got too attached to any friends so no one could hurt me. And it's like kind of this like, you can't catch me. Yeah. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. So, but you are one of those people who like, oh, did you hear about Michael? He got hot. 
maybe that's a like those are that's the fairy tale right the movie fairy tale is like oh have you seen him since like was it college that you sprouted yeah it was like end of high school beginning of college but i was still like so big i was cute for so long right because i was always the cute kid and then once puberty started hitting everyone else i was just still the cute kid and then that lasted until like my mid-20s yeah yeah (laughs) that's uh so relatable yeah, it's just, it's rough, but it's paying off now because the baby face is, you know. Keeping it fresh. Evergreen. Although my agents are like, we want you to get some gray hair. Like, you're going to book so much more when you look like a dad. I would agree with that. So. My friend, Michael, his name is Michael Jordan, just moved here from Chicago. Yeah. Great actor, great improviser. And he's is got your friend those, Michael Jordan. He, yeah, from the Bulls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. From Chicago. <laughs> oh yeah, we haven't even talked about Chicago. So I was with Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley when he would visit, and uh, Dennis squad. Rodman usually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Did I talk to you that I lived in Space Jam? Why are we talking about this Dunkin' Donuts commercial? I don't know, man. Let's get to the bottom of this. <laughs> so I was in Space Jam. Um, yeah, but he has like he just got those salt and pepper streaks yeah. on the side of his head, yep. and it's like game over. Game over. He's leaning in hard. It's yep. going well. So you were on the Toon Squad. Yeah, so I was on Toon Squad. <laughs> but you're also a goalie playing high school hockey. Yeah, wrestling. A little bit. Yeah. Hockey was my jam through college. Through Ho- college. Yeah, hockey and just being funny were the most important things in my life. Okay. And then in So you're taking shots and giving film. shots. Ooh, dude. Thank you. <laughs> Donut fires back. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Shooting out those donut holes. <laughs> that is how they sounded too. Yeah. They still weren't. It's pop poppums. Yeah. <laughs> dude. Nothing more dangerous than buying a bag of poppums and being like, these will last a while. <laughs> they don't. No. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Have you ever coughed because you ate powdered sugar? Oh, fast? yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, what am I doing? Have some control, bro. <laughs> it's like trying to eat tiramisu. Like, oh. <laughs> 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 Relax. <laughs> Never order tiramisu on a first date. It's not going to go the way you expect. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was it. Hockey and then comedy. So funny guy on the hockey team. And then did you just make the leap after college? Yeah. I've talked a million times on a million other things about my hockey career. So we don't need to You can skip hockey and go to comedy. Uh, I won a gold medal as a goalie for Team USA. Whoa. Played and trained at the Olympic Training Center. After that, I got very scared because it was roller hockey. At that, I made it at that level. Oh, Another outside thing, right? I played roller hockey in St. Louis, too. It was the thing. Yeah. Because the Blues were there. And what was that place called? But, you know. <sighs> Never mind. Sports comp, something complex. Omni Sports. Yeah. I don't know. Uh. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. So, But it was for Roller. Which right. Another fucking like outlier, yeah, kind of a ex- excel at something that is so counter. Like, can you culture. make a living being a roller hockey player? <laughs> no. Yeah, right. You can't. Well, Pat Maroon. Is yeah. he just won the Stanley Cup? But he's and we were on the same ice hockey. hockey team. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. He didn't, he's not out there on wheels. <laughs> <laughs> ignore it. Ignore it. Just pass it here. <laughs> I'm gonna get up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the same thing kind of kept happening in my life where I would hit a peak mm-hmm. and I would get a goal that I never expected to get. And then I would immediately feel like I should run away. Yeah. You know, because uh, it was like the same thing happened in Chicago. I assistant directed the Second City main stage. I was a, it was the 100th review, which is a huge honor. Yeah. I feel like I worked my whole career to get a paycheck like that from Second City for something 
I just dedicated my life Which to. is like the OG school of improv. Yeah. In Chicago, especially. And and then immediately I was like, all right, time to move to LA. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I hit that thing and then it's time to dip to Well, that seems new. like a natural jump. I was like, I've, I've peaked here. It's time to go to LA. But like, sounds like the roller hockey thing. But it comes from a place of being scared that it's never going to get better than this. So I yeah. should just like... I should go before I turn to the other side and then I'm, I'm hanging around. You're not, you're a has, a has been or sort of a, I'm so scared to be a has been, man. Yeah. It's something I think about a lot is like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that dude who's still around. Well, at least you're jumping up. Whereas a lot of people have what you'd call like a fear of success. Like I don't deserve this. So I'm going to self-sabotage and bail on this thing I've created, but not in a lateral or positive trajectory in like a very negative trajectory. You know, do you read books to make sure you're not doing that for yourself oh, as I've your career goes on? I've definitely, oh, you have? I've definitely self-sabotaged. Um, but that's something that I've worked hard to get rid of that, that tendency because I, I relate to that feeling of bailing, but it's not out of like, oh, I'm scared that I've peaked. It's like, I'm scared to get to the peak. But now I've identified things in my life that I want to keep pushing towards and I'm not giving up on. What are your goals? For something like that, which is, I'm sorry, it's such a loaded question. But I'm no. always curious. I mean, goals in terms of like career. Well, when I think of self sabotage, yeah, I think of my one of my big dreams would be to run a writer's room, to be a sh- yeah. to run the room. Mm-hmm. And I think I'd be great at it. And it's like a showrunner to be a showrunner, yeah. and I really would love to earn that title one day. Yeah. Um, but the flip of that is, I how do I get there, and am I too scared to get there? One day and i would self-destruct before i get there i mean you're on that path you're taking all the right steps as far as i know in hollywood and writing and comedy being jewish being jewish um but i'd be more worried about you getting there and then feeling like you're done like because there is an upper limit to like people become showrunners and then that's what they do they're showrunners forever and you could go into you know writing your own features and then well, it's where's like, the limit in modeling like what are the goals and I mean my my like big that? first goal was becoming a full-time model which took I don't know 2 or 3 years at least and you see people drop out of that race like left and right because it is such a hustle and it's such a pain in the ass to figure out how to do it and then to make it happen and then to sustain it you know like this summer slowdown is a very common term in the industry because it's just like people don't work last week I had no auditions cuz everyone took 4th of July off and then Monday I had four back, like I had to race around town and go to four auditions. And and then today I had a job. So it's hard to sustain even once you reach that goal. But then it's like, okay, I'm financially stable. This isn't like killing it, but I am I feel really happy with where I've gotten. So now it's, it's just building upon that. And then like you, I have a sort of three-pronged interest of, you know, I'm modeling and doing commercial acting. And then I'm also creating art. And then, you know, the podcast is my new sort of platform for narrative form just kind of like telling my story and hearing other people's stories so i just want to build those all into this like beautiful factory of creativity and that's that's my goal that's so reasonable yeah you know who i think is killing it uh joe rogan okay he's like so he was super into fighting became like an mma content commentator for the ufc Started podcasting early for no reason and just built it up to being like, I don't know, a top 10 podcaster. And he also killed it at comedy. And now he has some like ridiculous warehouse, God knows where, where he does his podcast and has an archery range and a, you know, a weightlifting gym and like a flotation tank. And he brings in the coolest people in the world to talk to. 
goes on the road and does his stand-up, goes off and goes elk hunting, does events for the UFC. And he's just like built this like weird empire of his own, of his own interests and passions. And like, that's why I've never been attracted to like the theme park path or just the actor path or just the model path. It's like, this is my corner. And I just want to like expand my empire, but not be in competition with anyone else's empire. Does that make sense? Yeah. It sounds like the healthiest way. Yeah. To go about it. The people I've always been the most fascinated by are people like Joe Rogan or Anthony Bourdain or like Tim Ferriss or people who have kind of forged a new path that never existed before. Waiting, being a cook until you're 40 and then publishing a novel and becoming a TV, you know, TV personality and then, or becoming this self-help guru and then creating all this marketing material or, you know, doing what Joe Rogan's done. I just think unfettered following of your own passions. And doing it in a way that's sustainable, like don't spread yourself too thin and don't be too, you know, don't have like a one stock portfolio. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The danger of of not being able to see that is when people are like, like, what do you do? Yeah. Or we don't know what to do with you. Yeah. That's a, that's always like, that was something I got real frustrated with because yeah. I would make art that I was really proud of, especially in theater just great sketch and weird spectacle. Mm-hmm. And the thing I kept running into was, this is amazing. Yeah, We have no idea what to do with this. And I'm like, neither do I. I yeah. just am making shit. I don't fucking know. And that's just keep making that shit. Like my serial killers, like people are like, I love that. And then they ask their wife if they can buy one. Their wife is like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, so I've sold some of them, but like I'm storing some of them because like, I just keep making them and some people buy them and you know, I show them at your show and people like those are amazing and inspiring. I don't have a space for it or I can't afford it or whatever. But I think it's Conan O'Brien who is like, just keep making your sound, like keep hitting your triangle over and over again. And people listen to it and say like, I like that sound move along. And then 10 years down the road, they'll be like, what was that sound I heard all like, I need that now. So like, just keep doing your thing. If it still inspires you and drives you and you want to keep doing it, you'll find a way to keep making it or keep pushing it forward. Or people will come around to it. And if it's not important to you or it never catches on, it'll probably die on the vine. And then you move on to the next thing. What if you never booked anything? Do you think about that? Do you think about if you just never in two years had booked anything? So I took a UCB improv class, like just UCB 101. And I went in after I'd gotten my first agent, my sports agent. I already booked like an Apple commercial. I mean, uh technology commercial uh-huh. and um had done some modeling and you know was working towards it and like i thought improv was a good way to work on my auditioning skills and there was a girl in my class who was like 17 i think this cute little blonde girl and she lived alone in la her parents had sent her out here to live with an uncle or a cousin or something when she was like 14 so she'd been here for three years and we all went to get drinks after one of our classes and we were talking about like everyone was like talking about where they were at in their careers and I was like I have an agent I'm doing this and that and she's like yeah I have a manager and like he's really great like he was on a he was like a guest star on Entourage and like I love the way he teaches and I was like oh cool like what have you booked and she was like nothing and I was like in three years you've booked nothing you're doing something wrong yeah I don't think there's a person in the world who would not fall into some category that they're looking for, especially now where everything, every, all the casting is so diverse and so inclusive. Like, I don't care what you look like or your ability or non-ability or what it is. Like there's a spot for you in some commercial. If you're way on the outsides of the spectrum, it might be infrequent, but within reason, it's all about how much effort you're putting into it. I think. Yeah. Hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Sports agent. Yeah. 
Does that mean like photos in doing activities? Oh, my like fitness agency. There's an agency for fitness. Yeah, like that's how I got the men's journal thing. I had no idea it goes that specific. Oh, yeah, man. So my that's first incredible. agency was fitness, and then I got with Daniel Hoff for commercial, and then Aqua for theatrical, and then I had I just started doing fit modeling, which is basically you're a human mannequin. You go in, and they design the clothes for their new lines based on your dimensions. So I'm working with two athletic brands. One is has been primarily a footwear company, and one's been primarily a, a women's athletic wear company and they're both developing men's lines so i'm their like men's medium ideal size so i go in and they put the clothes on me and then see how i move in them and then make adjustments and so when the clothes come out and you buy them you'll be like wearing my skin <laughs> <laughs> i did not like the eye contact <laughs> you will so oh, that's man. like it gets so specific and I've had a lot of questions of people reaching out that being like, I like the podcast, but like, I just don't know how to get started. And I think it's like, find the place where you want to be. Are you a fitnessy guy? Are you a commercially looking like personality type that wants to go to commercials? Are you just like angular, chiseled, editorial Vogue model? Do you have great hands? Do you want to be a hand model? Do you have really good measurements, like ideal measurements, be a fit model? So find, definitely finding that type is important. And then going outside. Going outside Like of leaving time. your fucking apartment. Yeah, go do shit. Go do shit. It's not going to come to you. Meet people. Yeah. Be nice. Someone asked, do you think it's better to submit photos online or go into the open casting calls in the office? And I was like, is that a question? Like, go to the office. Yeah. Get in front of people. Yeah. Photos, you know, say a thousand words, but an interaction says 10,000. And unless you're a real dud, like, <laughs> you can put your best foot forward in the office and convince them, kind of tip the scales in your favor, you know? That's what's up. Yeah. Oh, man. Going and meeting people so hard. And then every time, once I'm there, I'm like, I should do this more. Yeah. And then I forget. And then I stay inside forever. And then I'm like, oh, I should do this more. It's so fun. That's how I met you. I was like, I don't want to go to that bar. I don't want to talk to people I don't know. I don't want to, what am I going to sit next to? Like, what if it's a booth situation? You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. But then you end up meeting someone. You're like, why don't I do this more? <laughs> it's never as terrifying as you expect. And it's, you're never too busy. No. I think that's the thing, too is I like to tell myself I'm busier than I am. And sometimes I am legit like, hey, everyone, yeah. leave me the fuck alone. I don't, I can't. I don't have, Literally can't. I don't have space. Yeah. It's all being taken up and that's exciting. But more times than not, you got time. Yeah. I mean, I find even with like driving around to auditions, going to shoots, working on art, hanging out with my girlfriend, walking my dog, working out, there's still like a couple hours where I can like be sitting on the couch watching episodes of The Office I've already seen being like, this is not productive. And sometimes you need that downtime, but a lot of times I'm like, I'm going to call Joe and like go grab a drink and just catch up. And I'm like, I'm so glad I did that. Like, yeah. You know? And then you sit outside and friends walk by. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, oh I, I saw like, oh, Julia, like, oh, we got to talk about that website design we're working on. People are hiding inside more and more these days. Do you feel like you're in the flow right now? Are you, do you have flow? I feel good. I feel yeah. really good. I feel like everything's firing. And even when one thing's slow, I have the means to fill in the gaps. And this podcast, I think, has been the glue that sort of tied it all together. So I have you to thank for that. Congrats. That's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. It's it's like a promise. I love promises like a podcast. Because yeah. you're promising yourself that you're going to complete something, which yep. feels amazing yep. every single time. And then if people like it, I mean, what a bonus. But just to complete something on a schedule mm -hmm. in a business that the schedule is that there's no schedule right man to have 
grounding of a podcast to me is so vital. Having yeah, having like a the pressure of a deadline and yeah, that promise, that commitment to yourself and to your audience. There's something about just getting out narrative. Like I've been in my mind I'm like I need to like write something. I like you know, published a book in the past and like I just I want to do a memoir but maybe fictionalize it. And I kind of had this realization like, oh, my podcast is like my writing. That's my story. And I get to interact with people. I get to sit down and have an hour long conversation with you where we turn our phones off. Mm. We don't get phone calls. (laughs) 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 But it's just so beautiful in so many ways. And after this podcast, I'm going for once a week, every Thursday. Oh, shit. Yeah. Hell yes. So that's my new promise. Okay, great. Because right now I'm getting it every other week. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's gaps. I also like looking forward to things. Right. You know, I've yeah. got my like hot 10 pods that I love to look forward to every week. It's so important to me. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, man. Dude. Thanks for putting out more. Thank you. Um, and do you have, I don't know, maybe the last, last bit of advice for anyone trying to be in commercials or trying to be a comedian or trying, trying to just start. Just well, start? Yeah. Just start. Go further. Stop it. That's too. I know. I get that. I love that. But like, <laughs> give me a little more. You know what happened when I auditioned for Dunkin' Donuts? What? Uh, I had the flu, and I did not want to go. Yeah. And I went in that room, and I was real happy with my first audition. Yeah. And then I went home and went to bed. Yeah. And then I got the call back, and I had the flu worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was on like that day three yeah. where you're sore the day after the uh-huh. day, and I'm just a mess. And the adrenaline kicks in, yeah. you know, everything becomes crystal. Yeah. And uh, I was real happy with that callback. And then I left and then my face started flowing again. Right. Yeah. Oh, I love it when you go in audition sick and like your body's like, we have, we have a 10 minute window. Yeah. There's no mucus. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You're going to hold all of this in. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I realized in hindsight that I was having a ball in that audition. Yeah. I was sick. So I also didn't give up. Fuck. Right. I was just there to like we'll go home. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which which added a sense which when you walk in those rooms, I like walking in there like I don't care. Yep. Because I got other things to do that day. Yep. It's not like I was looking so forward to this audition. No. Nope. And then afterwards I'm like, now what? It's like, oh, this is just a part of the whole. When I have a busy day and I'm like, I'm thinking about the next thing. I could okay, thank you, goodbye, close the door, walk out, and they're like, Who was that? He just like didn't give a fuck about us. Those <laughs> yeah. are my best auditions where I'm just like, I'm two moves ahead of this audition. <laughs> yeah. That's flow. That's when I feel like I'm in flow. It's it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And but so, you gotta take that first step. You gotta do it. Gotta do it. Get out there. Yeah. Find that flow. Yeah. The stream. You know, I don't know where it comes from, but you it's there for you. So just dive in. Just dive in. So the, uh, the other really cool thing that I'm enjoying right now is just enjoying not thinking about my future. And yeah. I'm really, I'm firing on a higher level because I'm not thinking, I'm not living in my own future. Well, in the wake no of control. these earthquakes, man. Dude. <laughs> I've been getting extra guacamole on everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's like now, now, yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? I've never tried premium in my car. Yeah. Let's really see what that shit's about. <laughs> well, thank you, brother. I appreciate you being here. I know you had a busy day, so I'm going to let you get to your next meeting and stay in that flow. Stay in that flow, yo. Thanks for having me on this. Can I can I plug my Instagram? Please. Okay. It's at Glazer Boo Hoo Hoo. Yeah. Uh, it's mostly pictures of weed, sometimes of comedy. Right now, Dunkin' Donuts. When I write for shows, it's about that. And I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty good at uh at IG story. I'm having a good time with it. No, you have a great Instagram to follow. Weed and Grub podcast, get on it. And like if you can get tickets to Glazed, 
don't miss it because that is the shit. Thank you, man. Thanks no. a lot. Thank you. Thanks for this book. You're welcome. Read it. Okay. All of you read it. Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Word. All right. Bye, kids. Someone, yeah,